greetings and welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple profs uh, geek out on the lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday and then swap some sermon starter ideas that we hope will be of some edification uh, for anyone and maybe even some help uh, to get pastors started in their uh, sermons for the upcoming uh, week, but hopefully of some value to anyone who might be listening in. I'm your regular host, uh, John Drury. I teach systematic theology for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. Uh, my guest today is uh, Dr. Kenneth Shank. Uh, Ken was my uh, professor. I took about 10 classes with him in college. I had him when he was a brand new professor. I was a freshman in college. So um, he's only he's only slightly older than me. He was brand spanking new when I was uh, in school. And I learned Greek from him. I learned how to do exegesis uh, from him and a few others, I suppose. But So it's really full circle to have him back here uh, talking uh, the scriptures uh, with me today. It was a real delight. Um, so yeah, so you'll hear from him. He teaches uh, New Testament uh, and Greek to uh, at the undergraduate, uh, well, the School of Theology Ministry, uh, which has undergraduate students as well as some graduate students um, to here at Indiana Wesleyan University. So he's at IWU, but in a different part of the university, um, although he was the former dean here of the seminary, and so he was my boss for a long time. And we're old friends and longtime colleagues, and he is a beloved teacher, and I am so excited to be able to share um, him with you today. And uh, I'll mention one thing I didn't say on on uh, on air when we were recording earlier today. Um, but when he reads uh, the passage today, um, you'll notice the little uh, uh, turns and uh, uh, pauses in the way that he unfolds it. And you'll be able to tell if you're paying attention that he is translating on the spot um, from the Greek New Testament. So he is a master. He just reads this stuff um, like it's English. So uh, he is a real resource to have in this conversation today. And I hope that uh, you'll uh, find him as fun as I always do. Okay. Uh, thanks for that. And last, I'll just say, make sure to uh, subscribe to our podcast, wherever uh, to Fresh Text, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. And if you use the uh, Apple Podcast app, not only subscribe, but uh, give a chance to rate us and review us. That would be great. That really helps the logarithm get uh, more people to become aware of it. Um, and feel free to share us on um, your various social media accounts. Let people know about this uh, podcast. It hasn't been around too long. Um, we'd love uh, more people to find out about it because uh, we hope that it would actually be uh, somewhat uh, edifying and educational and helpful and enjoyable for people. So anyway, when we come back, I'll be chatting with uh, Dr. Ken Shank. So we're looking at uh, year C in the three-year cycle, and uh, this will be for Lent because we just finished up, so we're working ahead. Um, and we're looking at the first Sunday of Lent, which is Luke 4, 1 through 13. So Luke 4, my hunch is temptation. that is the temptation, right? Luke 4. Looking it up in the moment. Luke 4, 10 
Did I say 10 through 13? No. 1 through 13. Mm -hmm. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Would you be willing to read the passage? Okay. Go for it. I'll give it a shot. Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he did not eat anything in those days until they were completed and he was hungry. Verse 3, he said to him, the devil said to him, if it's true that you're the son of God, say to this stone that it might become bread. And Jesus answered to him, it has been written, not by bread alone will a, a person live. And having been, having led him up, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the inhabited world um, in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, To you I will give this authority, all this authority, and this glory of them, because uh, to me has been given, they have been given. And to whomever I will, I give them. I give it. Seven. Therefore, you, if you should worship before me, it will all be yours. Jesus answering said to him, It has been written, The Lord your God you will worship, and him alone you will serve. Then he led him into Jerusalem, and he caused him to stand upon the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If it's true that you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, To his angels uh, he has given charge concerning you, uh, in order to watch over you. And it's also written, uh, in your hands they will take you up, lest you should dash against a stone your foot. And Jesus, having answered, said to him, uh, It has been said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. And having completed all these temptings, the devil went away from him for a time. Verse 12. Mm, yeah, that's right. And we'll stop there. 13. Verse 13. Wow. All right. Well, let's say a word of prayer. Father, we give you thanks for your incarnate word, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks also for your inspired word, as written here in the gospel according to St. Luke. We give you thanks, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus into the desert and that he was tempted as we have been tempted. And so we have a high priest who, who gets it, who sympathizes with us. And so we join our voices with him, our high priest, as he intercedes for us, asking that you would help us in our times of trial, even the trials and temptations of this hour, when we seek to study your word, Lord, grant us the grace to be humble and patient and meek and wise as you open our eyes to see what it is you wish us to see, and that we might not be puffed up with knowledge, but filled up with love even as we look for a bit of the good kind of knowledge. So, Lord, help us this hour. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, 
Yeah, what jumps out at you, right? As you, I mean, it's not like you haven't seen the text before, but I mean, what's uh, what's uh, what's catching you today? Well, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, uh, where this comes in the story of Jesus. Yeah. So he's just had a pretty high moment, I would assume. Mm. You know, the baptism, um, the Spirit descending on him like a dove. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm uh, well pleased. Um, you know that. Uh, I, I can't even get there from here. You know, well, you know, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the son of God. Uh, uh, I've, I've had some nice affirmations occasionally, but, you know, nothing comes close to God speaking audibly from heaven, yeah. you know. And so um, it, it seems significant to me that um, immediately after that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he's tempted yeah. in the wilderness. Um, we, I know we do exegesis first. You know, but there might be some lesson, you know, to be gained. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like you can't uh, have your you know, have your sermon in mind. It's more just uh, no need to rush. Um, no, no, there's definitely got to be something there. Um, led into the spirit. in it Led in the spirit in the wilderness, into the wilderness. I mean, what a place to go after receiving this moment. And you're right. It's always the same sequence it's right out of the gate in mark right chapter one because he doesn't have any of the early stuff baptism straight into the desert and then in mark if i'm remembering correctly you don't get the detail just, just a verse yeah yeah i think yeah and uh and then mark and luke both have this very similar expansion though not identical um to that story yeah. placed in the same place yeah. but again later yeah. chapter four matthew and both four, I believe, yeah. right matthew four and luke because four. they both have their uh two chapters yeah. of infancy stuff so similar change there. I mean, it's it's occurring to me, um, other than a few uh, character names, Joseph, Mary, and such. Um, you know, their infancy narratives are radically different um, from each other. And yeah. then, but then the baptism scene shows up at you know the same moment, and then the desert scene at the first moment, and then you get. Here's a case where we have one of our earliest, might be one of the first moments in Mark, Matthew and Luke where you have them kind of, as it were, editing Mark, but in ways that are similar but not identical. I mean, it's a really good example of the kind of literary overlap and maybe dependence on some other source. These are why these theories yeah. emerge, right? Because right. they're so close. And yet I think the temptations are in a different order in Matthew. I think, I the, think the second, second and third two, are flipped. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think – I think uh, Luke kind of has the finale on the devil quoting scripture and him quoting back, so to speak, you know, and uh, and um, Matthew kind of crescendos with the uh, I'll give you the whole world, which does kind of feel like the biggest yeah. temptation, although um, in terms of which might fit with Matthew's maybe more roy- focus on the royalty ah, ah, ah. Uh, of, of Jesus, perhaps. Yeah. It, and there's a- also kind of Jerusalem centric narrations in Luke, too. Yes. So it would fit yep. that, that he culminates with. Yeah. Um, which is a which is a reminder. I hope this is not too controversial. That the go for uh, it, man. the gospels. Are, <laughs> I mean, the gospels aren't just giving us a documentary or a video or a videotape or a, yeah. or a transcript. They're they're arranging material, which is perfectly acceptable. This is not. Is this an error? It's not. No, no, nothing to do with error. It's that there there is more going on in the telling of the mm-hmm. stories than just what happened. There is there is deep and rich theology in the way that they yeah. arrange the materials. 
Yeah, 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 because they both have three temptations. They're pretty much identical. The quotes from Deuteronomy are the same. They're very similar, you know, yeah. but the that slight shift of order. Of course, I immediately, in my curiosity, uh, I'm curious, like, well, if they're working off a shared source, what was the order in the original source? Like, I really want to know that. I mean, there's no way to know for right. sure. Who's, who's modifying what? Yeah. And, of course, it's real popular. I'm sorry to distract here, but it is it is real popular these days. I haven't I haven't. I haven't shifted. I haven't been converted. But mm-hmm. It's real popular these days to say that Luke used Matthew. Uh, that's a that's a growing really um, okay, uh, especially out of out of Duke uh, Mark um, 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 dropping his name. But anyway, okay, yeah, they still kind of uh, so Q has fallen on hard times. Okay, in, they still have a Markin priority though, so it's not yes. a full blown Griesbach right. hypothesis. Right. It's a back. Pro- okay, Mark first. Um, I haven't Mark Matthew Luke Goodacre. It's... Mark Goodacre. There you go. Okay. So I, I'm not saying it's uh, everybody, but I think probably the majority of young whippersnappers. And have, no one's really pushing the opposite that Matthew's working off of Luke. I don't It'd be think almost so. impossible because Matthew's Matthew's uh, chronological uh, similarity to Mark is so strong. You know, it's like yeah. you can. It, it's clear that like they seem to be. You know, you can you can tell the breaks where there's things being inserted almost. Whereas yeah. with Luke, it's not as that straightforward. He moves things around much more. Yeah. Um, of course, this is all speculative. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it, to me, it, it would bear upon what Luke is trying to say. If we knew exactly, if we knew what Luke was using. We would the things that he modifies would tell us, you know, kind of what his theological meat is. Oh yeah, a to, little bit. To me, it's like if you do these speculations as an end in themselves to like discover the real truth hiding behind. The, then, then it's then it's uh, then you've got the cart before the horse, right? But if they're performing a function to kind of help you, maybe. I know when I do these things, like these comparisons, like I almost always see something I didn't notice before. Like, for instance, the changing of the order of the temptations raises interesting questions and of emphasis and of what's being highlighted. Um, Yeah, yeah, we don't have to go. uh, I've been I've been toying for long. I mean, it may not it may never happen, but I've been toying with doing a like a separate podcast called like meta commentary. There would be a lot of things, but one thing is like, then you could just geek out for right. a half hour on these debates that wouldn't be connected to a text, you know, yeah. that'd be kind of like a shoulder yeah. <laughs> to this. Cause you want to, you know, here it's like, we want to go down those roads and then make sure we always come back to the right. text Absolutely. as it moves us forward. But we don't have to, they're not, we don't have to ignore them. And if, even if they're controversial, so be it. Um, um, yeah. I think it's interesting that he's led by the spirit. Yeah. Um, how do we fit that with James, where it says God Ooh. doesn't tempt anybody? Um, I do make a distinction. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't stand, but I make a distinction in my mind between testing and tempting. Okay. Um, I was, we were talking about this in a class last week, and we were wondering if tempting is where you know uh, it might actually lead someone to sin, and testing is is a little bit less. Uh, dangerous i don't know what you think about that hmm. but trying to balance you know the fact that god doesn't tempt anybody and yet um this is the spirit taking jesus to a place where at least satan can tempt him yeah yeah say that that's the purpose of the temptation i'm looking at verse two right for 40 days being tempted by the devil and it's right? the same word by the way yeah in oh, greek test and absolutely. tempt is the same word no 
I it's almost an, said it's it. an English translation kind of issue. <laughs> yeah, it was a meta commentary moment that I was kind of keeping at bay. But I was thinking, you're making Ken, you're making a conceptual, not a terminological yes. distinction, right? Yes, because absolutely. and there are three, four different Greek words that come out: testing, trial, tribulation. But they're all, you know, and different authors use them differently, and they might sometimes just use them just to mix things up for style reasons, sure. you know. So, yeah. But there is a conceptual distinction, I would think, in the sense that. Um, the question is whether it's like a quantitative or a qualitative distinction. Like qualitatively, I could actually think that like the difference of quality in the sense of the purpose, right? There's there's clearly a different purpose when God leads us into a harder season, into a wilderness, right? Because he knows that it's precisely in times of trial that we become more deeply who we are and who he wants us to be. I mean, that, this is just true. I mean, you, you don't just say that to someone else when they're having a bad day. It's really helpful to when they're having a hard time, but it's really helpful to remember that for oneself. It's one of those things where it's true, but it's only true. It, it's true depending on who says it, right? It's like right. when I tell you that, well, <laughs> your suffering is to help you become a better Christian. Well, it's actually false when I say it to you, but it's true when you say it of yourself, you know? <laughs> I mean, not really true and false, right. but if truth is, if truth telling is saying the right thing in the right way at the right time and right not time, merely yeah. factual yeah. accuracy, right? Um, it matters who says it um, and when it's said and how it's said. Um but surely that happens. Like we would, we'd have to rip out quite a bit of the Bible to sure. pretend that God never brings us into these yeah. times of trial. Yeah, he but dis uh, he dis what is discipline? That's you know, right. In Hebrews right. twelve, you know, um, the Lord, you know, whom the Lord loves, he he chastens or he yeah. disciplines. But the telos is holiness, right? Not that we would become greater sinners, right? And so that telos really matters. Um, even if the, even if it can be equally severe, even, I mean, I, I don't even know if there is a quantitative difference necessarily. Um, and who's to know the mind of God, what his exact purpose is. And, but, but clearly when the devil tempts us, it's not like this will make him a better Christian. You know what I mean? Like, I mean it's like, it's in order to cause us to stumble. <laughs> right. And, and if you take the James passage as God never wants us to stumble. He's never going to do anything. To, it actually coheres really well with what Paul says in what is it? Second Corinthians, the famous line, the, he won't send us right. trial 10, worse than 10, we 13, can. First Corinthians 10, 13. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that would just some, you could see some overlap actually with the much more stark God never tempts anyone in James, right. you know, that's a kind of, uh, you know, and that you, could be stated a little more subtly to bring out what he means by that. Yeah. I mean, um, it is possible that James is saying, when, when, whenever you sin, don't say this is God's fault. I mean, that might right. be the bottom don't line. Don't blame what, God. Um, uh, so there's some students I know who are writing a paper on the impeccability of uh. of uh, Christ. Uh, uh, is that a thing, you know, and so forth. I assume God knows that Jesus isn't going to mess this one up. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think yeah. about that. Well, I'm sure God knows. God the Father knows. I wonder how well he knows, but <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's true. That, Does Jesus know that he's right. not going to, yeah. to succumb at this point? Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he's faking it. I don't think right. we have any Absolutely. reason to believe that we have no exegetical evidence. And we actually have quotes like in Hebrews that I quoted in the prayer yeah. that indicate that, that his trials were serious. Um, even with tears. Um, yeah, we haven't man. gotten into the actual temptations. Yeah, you're right. Let's go. Let's jump in. I was so struck when when you were reading um, verse three. If you are the son of God, right? Right. 
Um, I know for me, like I've often kind of run to the, the, the specific action that he's tempting him to do, right? Turn the stones into bread. Um, and he's in the wilderness and the quotes are from Deuteronomy. So there's obviously a lot of referencing here to, to Moses and the people who needed bread and right. The touching of the rock for water to come out or I don't know. I mean, you can, but like for some reason, the opening, you know, subordinate clause grabbed me this time, you know, he's saying, prove, prove that you're the son, prove the thing that you just thought you heard in the previous day, previous passage, at least. And no, Mark Mark says immediately he went into the wilderness is right away. And I, and I rendered, I rendered that in a particular way. If it is true that you're the son of God, Mm. because um, this is a, um, this is a first class condition in Greek, which assumes the truth of the, of what you're ifing. Ah. Um, So there are two words for, for if in Greek. Um, uh, the the second one, the one that isn't used here, is um, you know if I if I come over to the seminary building, let's make a recording. Okay. Um, this is the if one plus one equals two, then then, what? then oh. two plus you know, and so um, the the if part the the if part assumes the truth of of the condition for the sake of argument. Um, uh, Satan could have used a, what's called a contrary to fact. If you were the son of God, you could. Now you would use the same. Uh, you would uh, use the, the same s- if there. You would use the same if, but there'd be another uh, word there. Uh, I call it a little bomb that would make everything um, contrary to fact. Is that the on? On, yeah. Ah, so, okay. So the fact that that um, Satan. So I don't want to make too much out of this. No, I think it's relevant. But for the sake of argument, Satan assumes that he's the he is the son of the son of God. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. No, okay. Oh man, I I I faintly remember uh, those distinctions from second year Greek with you twenty years ago now. <laughs> but I don't have them straight in my head. I I mean I understand the 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 conceptual distinctions, but I don't remember which words go yeah, with which I, one. I probably wouldn't either um, if I wasn't teaching Greek. So. Okay, so so this would never be this would never be, or at least this would always be a condition that is being. Taken for granted, not it's, be, it's assuming, un, be not being contested. Assuming the, right. the if part, yeah. Yeah. Now the person who says it could, in fact, not believe it. That's right. Not that. Although in this case, there's no reason to believe that but given the context. If that was the case, they would probably use that contrary to fact. Right. If right. you were the son of right, God, right, 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 you'd be able to make right, you know, right, right, a tree right. pop out of the ground. You know, but but he doesn't use that. Right. 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 But would you use this construction if it was if you were just saying um, if and you were kind of leaving the question of its truthfulness uh, um, unknown. You could. You could use it. But it's not natural. Well, and it fits. There's no reason to believe given it's occurring to me that like... Satan knows he's a son of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that, right? And I'm just kind of assuming that metaphysically. But I'm going to try to bracket that out to be a good exegete and say like, okay, so Mark doesn't have this incident, right? Doesn't narrate it. It says he's tempted by the devil. Right. Doesn't give the specifics. But then right after that, he goes to Galilee, calls the first disciples, and then has a demonic encounter in the um, tabernacle, which is one of these cases where when the details are different, not even just the details, but when the actual narrative content is different, there sometimes can be a commonality at the level of the kind of spirit of the text, right? right? You get this early encounter with the demonic in Mark, 
right? right. And only the demon knows. He says, "I know who you are," yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and he's and and he tells him to shut up, right? He's the messianic yeah. secret or whatever that they talk about, yeah. right? But I, I was just seeing a connection there with this, where it's like, yeah. of course, absolutely. Not just metaphysically, of course, the devil knows, but even narratively, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you just heard. You know, um, why don't you act on it? Why don't you, you know, uh, so, so help me like sort that out though. Then like, like what, what's the point of the, if you're the son of God, if it is true that you are the son of God, right. You know, then, uh, make it these bread so that they would be, make these stone to be bread. Right. What well, what's he, what's he trying to get him to do? Is he merely tempting him out of hunger? It's been 40 days. He's hungry. I, that obviously is in play. But um, what else might be going on there? Like, why is that? What is it about turning stone into bread that um, um, is it? And I don't know. Would, I would prove his sonship or something like is that? Is he? Is he? Um, is he trying to tempt him to take advantage ah, of his ah, power? Ah. I mean, I think of Philippians too. Although he was equal with God. He, although although he's in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God something to exploit. Yeah, uh, Satan's trying to get him to to abuse the power he has. Maybe to press the easy button. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe. No, I, I I can see it that way. Yeah, yeah. Notice he doesn't he doesn't uh, he doesn't lie about who Jesus is. Hmm. He doesn't in this. He doesn't in this passage try to convince Jesus that he isn't who he is. He tries to get him to uh, to either um, abuse his power or uh, direct it toward um, an inappropriate object. You know, worship of right of the devil. Remind, you know, reminds me of my my sense. In order that, to get more power, I mean, it makes even the first one about power, not just about hunger, in a way. Right. Yeah. The, if you're the son of God part, if you left that out, if he was just like, Hey, here's a magic wand, make some bread, dude. Yeah. Um, then it would just be simply, no, 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 don't do it. Don't cheat. You know, um, no, that uh, I was actually, that was not a rhetorical question. It was a, I don't know. Like what, right. what does that have to do with the sonship? And I, and especially if it is this, uh, um, you know, uh, non-counterfactual kind of statement, but uh, just a kind of, what did you call it? The, there was the term. Um, first class condition. Yeah. Yeah. Assume, yeah, yeah. Assumes the truth. Yeah. Assuming the truth. I mean, it kind of immediately kind of makes me like wonder like what's, what's going on at, you know, there. And, and it obviously, it makes sense that he starts with the bread because you come to someone who's hungry, right? It, it's, it's classic, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's kind of like, <laughs> starts with Jesus. At starts hunger. With the basement. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, you know, okay. And then. Which, which, um, again, um, I, I, I immediately think of the humanity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like us, this tendency to make Jesus into, um, he's so divine that his humanity really didn't matter. You know, he, he was like us in every way. Like us in every way. He was hungry and like us also in that he, uh, was tempted then in the second one. Um, you know, for, uh, world, glory, world domination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't want that? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, sometimes we get into the discussions of, of this, um, in, in, in exegesis, you know, um, does Jesus get more authority hmm. in the great commission? You know, you know, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. 
did Jesus already have all authority at this point? Or is the all authority that Jesus has a kind of a post-resurrection hmm. um, consummation, you know, kind of thing to where at this point uh, he's not yet been given all earthly um, authority. And so Satan is jumping the gun uh, here to yeah. to try to, you know, um, give it to him in a false way, even though it's already his by right. It, it's his by right, you know, if not in fact yet, you know. Um, that was at least how I would think of it, you know, and, and the son of God talk seems to hint at that, that kind of, not just the kind of metaphysical divinity, but in the sense of the royal authority of being God's son, um, would mean that he would, you know, uh, be entitled to the domain, the dominion that God has over everything. Um, although implying that I, I love this phrase, I'm trying to remember if it's in Matthew. Um, I don't have my synopsis with me. It's in my car, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to look if that's okay. Yeah. But it's this weird well, phrase where he said he, it's almost like he has to explain it to us. You wonder if there was even earlier versions of this in oral form and, and people were like, wait, wait, wait what do you mean? The devil has authority. Well, right. <laughs> cause he says in verse, uh, and, and of course, Ephesians calls him the prince and power of the air, right. the, the ruler of this present age. I mean, there is, I think, uh, biblical evidence that, Absolutely. that, that God has allowed Satan to romp around down here, uh, and his angels. Um, but verse six, you get the vibe that it needs at least some explanation to some, perhaps to some readers. Yeah. Right? Okay. Right. Right. Like it doesn't seem he's given a, th- yeah. So I'm I'm less objecting to it and more kind of saying like it's like, you know, there's some need to have the character explain himself. It's not like Jesus was like, oh, you know. And it doesn't look like Matthew right? has that explanation. Yeah, that's what I was Which, looking for. You know, I'm not ma- seeing is that a difference between a Jewish and a Gentile audience. That's exactly what I was wondering, actually, when you. Whether Luke needs to explain why it is that Satan has this. So authority, he doesn't have it. Whereas a, a Matthew, Matthean Jewish audience would. Yeah, yeah, duh. We know that. know that. Yeah, yeah, God asserts His authority at the resurrection, right? I mean, I would think a first-century Jewish audience would assume that, right? That the devil has a kind of yeah. certain free reign in yeah. this current era, yeah? yeah. Whereas that would maybe fall on a strange year and need some measure of clarification, because um, it's really, it's really funny. And the devil said to him, "I will give you all this domain and its glory, for as you know, it has been handed <laughs> over to me, and I can give it to whoever I will." Like, like, like. I mean, Jesus knows that, right? Like, why is he... That feels like a talking to the audience moment to yeah. me. That's how I my ears hear it, you know? Um, and of course, if... if uh, reminding us, yeah, obviously this is God's authority, but in the now time, I've got it. Yeah. Um, and you can come and join my team. And you could argue that... Um, I don't know whether, whether Jesus is fully aware of this, but they could skip the whole death thing. You know, you know, you know, you know, you're going to get all this anyway, anyway but in God's uh, way, that's... you got to die first. But if you just take it from me now, you know, you can, you can rule now and that's, skip the whole I mean, death, death and crucifixion. Thing. It's really hard not to hear it that way by the time you get to the third one, at least from a kind of whatever's going on in Jesus and, and the devil's head, right? At least in terms of Luke as a master artist, right? This is clearly foreshadowing, right? Especially when you get to the third, right? When you, but all of them, even the bread, because it's one of the, you know, the famous, the, one of the only, maybe the only miracle that appears in all three, four gospels. I can't, it depends. Feeding the 5,000. Yeah. In terms of at least strictly that yeah. there's a clear sense of a, this is the same story. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's such a famous scene. And then, um, yeah. 
him being granted the glory in, in the resurrection. And then this reference to, you know, that he won't let you strike a stone. You'll call, you can call on, uh, he will give his angels charge concerning you. I mean, there's a, I don't know if that, that passage is quoted, but there's definitely a reference in the, in the death scene, right? To him saying that, why don't you call on right ten thousand? Right, right. Yeah. So there's yeah. got to be some, so and it's, idea, it's in Jerusalem at the temple, right? Why don't I mean, you just make your, you know, da da? Here let's I am. do it now. I'm at the temple, you know. I'm your Messiah. Yeah, which makes it it's shortcuts again. I mean, you can see that as the yeah. theme of all three. Yeah. Is he's tempting him to shortcuts, which is a really helpful though. I think even as we're moving to where you might go homiletically, is I mean, one of the things to think about is, um. The devil's temptation is not always directed towards um, an obvious evil right. opposite of the good, yeah. but perhaps a shortcut to the good, right. a disordered good. And yes. in fact, that's all evil it really is, is disordered yeah. good. Um, I don't know. That's where my mind yeah. started going. Uh, Little Augustine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> he didn't invent it, but yeah. <laughs> All the Easterns before him had, had the same notion. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll credit them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I learned it from Augustine. So yeah, yeah. Privation of the good. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Well. So preaching? Yeah. I think that's good. Let's uh, We've kinda... let's take a short break okay. and come right back. And the short break is uh, simply a moment of silence. Okay. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the the phrase that uh, that that um, Aaron came up with is, "What's your winkle?" He heard this from his preaching prof. So it's it's I guess the German for angle. You know, kind of what's your angle? You know, you can't you can't preach every idea, right? You know, you can't all your exegesis doesn't make its way, although all of it can affect it because it's perspectival. But um, what's your winkle, Ken? Like if you were preaching this Sunday on this text, like. Um, and actually working ahead. So you'd have a couple of weeks. Where, where would you go? You know, like uh, where's maybe something we talked about or something even we didn't talk about where you'd want to head as the kind of focus of a sermon? Man. Um, well, I, 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 I don't know about my, my winkel. Um, <laughs> exactly. But um, uh, the first, uh, as you were listening, my first thought was that sometimes after times of great, uh, this is hmm. probably trivial. Uh, but it is a, it's worth preaching sometime before you retire. Um, that sometimes after a great victory mm. or after a great spiritual high or after youth camp, you know, mm. um, there can be a time of testing. Um, and um, we should almost expect it, I think. Mm. And uh, so uh, prepare yourself uh, because uh, there, there is usually a time of testing after you've had a great victory. Think of Elijah, you know, after... You know, yeah. After his great victory over the prophets of Vale, you know, he goes to a cave and, you know, gets depressed. So that yeah. was a, that was the first thing that came to my mind as we were, as we were looking at. This. Well, the Elijah connection is not uh, even irrelevant. I think it's in the it's part of it's least echoed in this text in the sense of he's in the wilderness. Sure. Um, there's a forty days element there. There's a feeding by the ravens by God. Um, which is interesting. They did. That doesn't have the angels minister to him here in Luke. Right. I, I that struck That's me. Mark. I think. Yeah. I was, and I was trying to remember if Matthew mentions it too. But um, yeah, it, Ma- Matthew mentions it. 
Okay. 4.11. Matthew 4.11. So interesting. Um, he doesn't mention that. Like, did he ever get around to eating? Um, and – but that's uh, that's so good and it, it, it fits actually um, like the liturgical calendar. If one were to follow sure. the lectionary, um, even if one does it, you don't have to do this. But you could even make it explicit depending on the kind of church you're in um, because the last Sunday of Ordinary Time Before Lent is Transfiguration Sunday. Aaron and I just recorded a pod on that just a couple days ago. Um and so, and even in that story, you have that same dynamic. He comes down the mountain and there's this sick boy that his disciples couldn't heal. So, I mean, not necessarily temptation per se, but trial um, that Jesus is facing and that his people right. are facing. Um, and th- that, that, that notion that after these spiritual highs, you, you should just expect that this, yeah. the other I'm shoe's going to drop. calendar, you know, <laughs> camp meeting this week, you know. Trial next week. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, one reason to practice a season like Lent, obviously you can't like predict like, this is when I'm going to have temptation. That'd be silly. But, <laughs> but it's a reminder when the whole church together is being reminded rather than just individually that, yeah, we're going to face trials. We're going to face hardship, you know, um, and some of those are going to come upon us. Some of those are by our own choice because we're going to choose to live uh, a life of discipline that's maybe harder than the easy life that we could lead if it was up to us. Um, no, I think that's a, I, I don't know. I think that would be a great sermon uh, just to really emphasize. And, you know, you can explore this, right? That, that the spirit's leading him there, that this is right. even, this is even in accordance with the will of God, that these, right. that these rhythms would be part of our life and not merely just a happenstance. How about you? Oh, I'll say it in a second, but I just came up with a line in my head. I don't know if it's any good, but um there's that baptism scene, you know, and it's yeah. like, well, how long did that last? Maybe an hour, right? right? Sure. And the trial goes for forty days, right? I mean, there's <laughs> there's a sermon there, like there's a not a sermon, there's a line there. Yep. I think you could get a you, you get the crowd riled up with that one. One of your three points. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's not always proportional, though, is the point, right? Which is often yeah. the case. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I my my Winkel uh, would be. I think it's it think it's this notion that came out of our conversation that I hinted at at the end with with uh, temptation is about cutting corners, you know, that um, and to focus on on the gift that Christ didn't, you know, take the easy path to the good thing. Um, I, I I'm suddenly. Remembering, I don't know if I'd put this in the sermon, but there's an idea. I never forget hearing Wilbur Williams, you know, taught OT here for 50 years. I remember him saying one time that I think this might have been in Pentateuch class, but maybe it was an intro where he said something about he wonders if I don't think he said it as wonder. I think he said it was the case, but I'll I'll put it the the more uh, circumspect way that I speak. But he wondered if God, in fact, was intending to give Adam and Eve the, 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 the fruit, um, of the knowledge of good and evil later. And that the sin right. wasn't the eating, even the eating of the, the fruit is not an evil. Uh, and that really coheres well with something that someone taught me once was that the, 
Genesis uh, two and three story make a lot more sense if you picture them as like children, as toddlers. Like the whole story is like, oh, you know, like they discover they're naked and they're like, hey, did like, you eat from the tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're hiding. You know, it's just, it's just everything, right? It just anyway. But if you got to picture them, but then, but that fits those to say that they weren't mature, they weren't ready for that. But it wasn't that it was. It's not like why would God just plant that evil thing in the middle of the garden? That would just doesn't even make a certain kind of sense. So there's a certain kind of insight. In again, I don't know how that works exegetically from Genesis three. I don't know if it'd be relevant to bring up here, um, but at least the principle would fit. The idea that that uh, that God has not only bread for him to eat, but even he will have an opportunity to feed the people. You know, he will have an right. opportunity to demonstrate his de- his his sonship through the giving of bread. He will get to do that, and he will not appear. yet. He not will appear yet. a second time at the temple. That's right. He will appear. <laughs> Right? In the temple, right? And be praised and sung to. And every knee will bow and tongue confess. That's that right. Christ is Lord. He will have dominion. Right, right. I mean, that would be a fun, there's a fun sermon there. And you could, and your three points, you just go through the three temptations. Yeah. Why not? And it's really not a three point sermon. It's one point sermon said three ways, which are the only way I ever do three points anyway, where, where you just really try to hammer that, like, that, that, the, that the devil is tempting Christ to take a shortcut to fulfill his own vocation, to get the good thing that God has a time for, and to even be specific when those times are to come. And to keep saying like, say things like, he will get to, he will get to make bread and feed the people, but not yet. That's how, you know, he will, you know, he will, he will uh, fall and be lifted up but not yet. Yeah. Right. That, that's the kind of, there's a pre I'm getting preachy with, but there's a, there's a not yet. And then, and then boy, you can turn that around to the people somewhere in the sermon, you know, you know, we're going to have, we'll have this, we'll have this, but not yet, not right. yet. Like to, to recognize that, um, that, that timing's everything yeah. when it comes to temptation, timing is everything. There's a line, there's a line too. You could even you know? have a, th- I'm sorry, I'm getting a, a, three, a three sermon series on temptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when Satan tempts you to do something you just shouldn't do. Right. When temp, Satan tempts you to do something that in and of itself is good, but it has an, the inappropriate object. You right, know, like, right. Uh, and then the third where, or second, you know, where, where Satan tempts you to do something before. Right, so it's timing. Yeah. Right, right. Anyway. No, I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and you could, I mean, all those could fit in. I, do those loosely correspond even to these three? Um, I don't know if they do yeah, the bread. Sure. I mean, worshiping Satan kind of maybe bad in itself, yeah. but even then worship is an act <laughs> right. that's not, I mean, it, strictly speaking, maybe the first one is the third one. Yeah. And, first, and in, yeah. Second one. and in strictly speaking, like, uh, you know, all acts are evil because of an inappropriate object. Sure. I mean, that's what renders an act evil in a way, but, yeah. uh, that's getting a little meta, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's where I'd go. Uh, is really, really honing in on that, and I think our conversation helped kind of help me kind of see that in a way I'd, I don't think I'd even seen before. Um, yeah, well, that's fun. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's good enough. Is that good enough? You want more? <laughs> <laughs> All that meta stuff on what is the nature of temptation and what is trial, and I mean that's kind of meta sermon. But does God tempt us? He He certainly tests us. Yeah. Well, and you, you, I think you slip that in. I mean, there's yeah. these, there's always these um, teacherly asides that find their way into sermons, you know. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's, it, that's why 
having an angle, you know, uh, a focus helps because as long as you keep your focus, then you bring in anything that helps advance that focus. And, and holds attention. Oh, yeah. No, true. <laughs> well, yes. We, governed by the focus. Yeah. I think, I think if we do things that grab attention, that don't grab attention to the focus, but just to ourselves, like water balloons. In the yeah, 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 yeah. But if it has some connection to the focus, I, I, yeah, I think anything is, <laughs> is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied. I think we can end there. Okay. Unless you got any more jokes. <laughs> none, none coming to mind or insights. Well, I, there's a little, uh, I don't know if I have a good poem this week, but I've got a, I've got some prayers. I, I mentioned this before that the the website I use, the Vanderbilt website that has the lecture on it, you can click and it'll have seasonally appropriate prayers and art and stuff like that. So I'll steal one of those and pray that today. Um, and then we'll wrap up. Let us pray. God of wilderness and water, your son was baptized and tempted as we are. Guide us through this season, that we may not avoid struggle, but open ourselves to blessing through the cleansing depths of repentance and the heaven-rending words of the Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, you got anything uh, anything to plug? Where can people see you, follow you? Are you doing anything? Just your, I mean, your Facebook account's always interesting. But <laughs> no, I'm just same old, same old. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, uh, so people can follow you on Facebook, and are you on Twitter? Or are you mainly on I'm Facebook? I'm on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. I'm a little uh, because people can't talk back as easily. Sometimes I'm a little <laughs> more, uh, sometimes a little more controversial. Not yeah. too much. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, I don't know. Ken Ken Shank. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. At Ken Shank. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, awesome. Well, uh, thank you uh, so much, Ken, for being with me today. And thanks, thanks to all our listeners for listening along. And we say to you, have a good preach and have a great week. Bye.